The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? John, I'm doing great as always today, and I love being in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've got to mention that every time we talk to you. I know. I feel like you always do. I love it. And, uh, I do. Wanna... I do. It, you know, Knoxville has a nice charm to it, and I don't. I just want everyone to to remember that. That's why I keep it alive. But anyway, I'm doing great. Just want to throw it out there first. This episode today is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is made in the USA, is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line. It's cheaper than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package, no awkwardness. And you do not need to leave the house right now. Special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the promo code DOC. Yes, D-O-C. Just paying $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code DOC to try it free. What do you think about this one? You know what I think about? I think about the promo code DOC as one of the coolest promo codes so far. But the other thing I think is really cool, you can take this anytime you want, day or night, even on a full stomach. I mean, they're chewable, so it's going to hit you probably twice as fast as a pill. And a blue chew uh, is one of those things that's going to help you and give you that extra confidence right when you need it, and you don't have to take it at a certain time to anticipate anything happening. Morning, noon, or night, on a full stomach, it doesn't matter. I absolutely love it. And, you know, you're talking about beautiful places and beautiful things and going to Knoxville, Tennessee, and being in Knoxville. I always feel like JPWA has – you know, uh, shall we say, great visitors, uh, legendary visitors, surprise visitors, you know, Undertaker uh, showing up. Last week, Dustin Rhodes showing up. So, right, I mean, JPWA is the happening place. I, I would like to think it is. I would like to think that uh, a lot of people are curious and interested in what's going on at JPWA and who we might see walking in there at any time, any any day, and uh uh, we proved that, that we would have visitors also morning, noon, or night sometimes. And as a matter of fact, 
uh, tomorrow, we were taping this on a Sunday night, so this will mm-hmm. be on a Monday uh, night. Uh, a very special visitor will be coming through uh, on his way back to the great Northeast. And uh, Brother Love will be making his way to the JPWA uh, tomorrow night, Monday, or or if you're speaking, we, we I don't know when this drops, but uh, if it's Monday morning, he, he yep. should be here in the afternoon, and uh, he's, he told me that he is going to come by the JPWA and check out the talent and see what we have, and uh, I hope he brought shorts and a comfortable shirt because it will be sweltering in there again. I love that he's coming by. I love that Dustin Rose was just there. I mean, it's definitely awesome to kind of see that if you're a part of this school, you're going to get people from WWE dropping in. You're going to get legends popping in. I mean, it's pretty damn remarkable that Bruce Pritchard, who's basically running the show up there for Raw and SmackDown, WWE, executive, uh, huge role up there, is just going to drop in and look at some of the students. I think it's great too. I really do. We've been very fortunate in that aspect, and I'm. Uh, I don't take it for granted one bit. Uh, I've had some former students from WWE come in, like uh, Mark Henry, and uh, Sheamus, and and really have uh, um, taken to having an interest, which is which is always good. So uh, I'm I'm just happy, and uh, I'm excited. Everybody, every time someone wants to come in and. And just uh, even look at the walls and see what we have, and talk about uh, what's going on with JPWA. Yeah, that is uh, that is awesome. Now, what was Dustin Rhodes doing uh, in, in the JPWA last week? Well, Dustin stopped by just to say hello and visit. He was in town as well, seeing some family along with his wife. And uh, of course, Dustin is opening up a school in Austin next year. Uh, January of 2021, and uh, he wanted to take a look and and talk about uh, my experience in the last year and a half doing the JPWA. So, uh, and he also just stopped by to say hello and and um, uh, check out Knoxville again. Knoxville, uh, I I put it over because it really is a nice place, and I've lived. Uh, all over the country and I'm from Texas and I love Texas you know, but, uh, uh, my home now is Knoxville, Tennessee. And, and you have pigeon forge, Dollywood, uh, the the great smoky mountains and uh, a lot of very, very cool, uh, attractions around this area. So, uh, for people who come in from out of state for 12 weeks, they pretty much find themselves with, plenty to do on their off days if they're not too tired and uh, uh it, it, it's a beautiful place to live and then dustin was in uh i think experiencing a, a cabin out in pigeon forge and on his way out of town uh they wanted to stop by and say hello and check out the place and again it's it's always great when somebody does that also want to mention another sponsor for the show and that is manscaped Support for taking to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard is, of course, brought to you by Manscaped. 
who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. And also, you can use it for above-the-belt as well. It's just a great shaver. But the uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your uh, grooming experience. Finally, manscaping accidents are a thing of the past. This water-resistant technology even allows you to groom in the shower. It is great. Just remember, 20% off and free shipping Using the promo code EMPIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code EMPIRE. And don't forget the charging stand, too, because you can show it off loud and proud and let everybody know that you take manscaping seriously. I mean, put it right there. Be be happy about it, man. Right in the bathroom. Anybody wants to come over and visit, they say, this guy knows what's going on. Hell yeah. Or, or, or they may say something else, John. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah, but experience yeah. it for yourself firsthand. 20% off free shipping, the promo code EMPIRE at manscaped.com. That's some great stuff, but I just got to I gotta read this because as I was going through uh, social media, I saw this fact, and you can kind of debunk it or agree with it. Fast fact from the JPWA Twitter account. Did you know Dr. Tom Pritchard has trained more internationally recognized world champions than any other trainer in modern wrestling? Is that true in modern wrestling history? Is that true? Well, uh, unless somebody fact checks it, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it is true, but I think we talked earlier that maybe Al Snow has uh, Mm -hmm. more, or maybe uh, we're right about the same. I'm not sure. Al trained a lot of champions. Al did a lot of uh, (laughs) good work when when he was out there being a coach. And um, so, but, but you know what, if, if somebody found that fast fact and print, Put it on uh, the JPWA. That would be our our social media director. And uh, if he if he looked it up, I'm going to have to go with his word. And uh, but yeah, I'll say it's true. How about that? Now, if you just throw out the rock out there, it might trump a lot of uh, Al Snow's. You know, no offense to Al Snow's training, but the rock might be the the tippy top of uh, anybody's kind of training list. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how he worded it. Again, the most internationally recognized. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, then possibly I could have the more internationally recognized. I, okay, I'll I'll go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll agree with you there. The, that trumps everything. So, although although all due respect to Al Snow, Danny Davis, and uh, everyone ever associated with OBW. Think about this. Kennedy McMahon. I mean, that's a pretty good uh, list of world champions. Good lineup. Yeah, yeah, good lineup. I'll, I'll, I'll say that, sure. Why not? I'll, I'll go with you on that. Sheamus is in there, too. So Yes. Yeah, okay. Can't, can't yeah. forget uh, Sheamus. No, do not forget Sheamus. Now, today's episode, we wanted to kind of focus all in on something we talked about very briefly in the past, too briefly, actually, and that is when Smoky Mountain Wrestling invaded WCW back in 1993. Now, when I first say invaded, because people will say, oh, did they really technically invade? When I first say Smoky Mountain invades WCW, do you agree it was somewhat of an invasion angle? Well, uh, it was and it wasn't at the same time because the Rock and Roll Express had been wrestling us in uh, Smoky Mountain uh, all that time. And I don't – had Rock and Roll come back to WCW at all? No, this is actually what they're doing. It, this was like promoting their return. So they were oh, playing videos and stuff like promoting, hey, Rock and Roll Express is coming back to WCW. Right, 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 right. Well, that was 
the brainchild of Jim Cornette and Bill Watts, and the original idea uh, was to do somewhat of a developmental territory uh, where we could exchange talent because it wasn't that much of a drive to Atlanta from Knoxville. So, uh, and, and of course, Bill Watts was in charge at that time, and, and Bill and Jim had had a great relationship. Uh, and this is how that came about. But yeah, I, I, you know, I have a hard time remembering a lot of stuff, obviously. But if they were, in fact, promoting uh, the Rock and Roll Express coming back to WCW, then we would we would be the ones to uh, spoil the party, I guess. And uh, so that was, I guess, the idea behind it. And uh, most people uh, would look at us coming from the front door all the way down the aisles as an invasion because we certainly – weren't known to the WCW audience at that time. We we were, uh, you know, for the for the fans who knew about wrestling in other places, they they might have known about us. But um, for that broadcast and that TV show, we certainly were crashing uh, and and invading. So yeah, I would I would call it an, an invasion on one hand, um, most definitely. I love the Watts coordinate relationship just because it's just one of those things where it's like i don't know if people you know realize like that that kind of you know that duo there that that kind of great relationship that that they had dating all the way back to mid-south when the rock and roll express and midnight express were selling out all those buildings and just totally dominating totally taking over so i mean that relationship spanned over a decade really um at this point or at least around uh, you know a decade with watts and Cornette, right by all means, and and I have to say that uh, my respect for Bill Watts has grown immensely over the years. Just just hearing other people talk about him and tell uh, stories, you know, it was uh, I, I believe Bill and someone else who put up the uh, twenty five thousand dollars. I think it was at that time. Might have been ten uh, for the. Uh, for the bounty or bank account, the the champion, the NWA champion, would have to put up twenty five thousand dollars. I think it might have been at that time um, to hold the belt. You know, they would hold this in escrow and and make sure to make sure you drop the belt. Otherwise, they'd keep the money. And they did that for Harley Race. It might have been Bill Watts and Leroy or, or someone else. But Bill had told me that story. I I. Uh, <laughs> That's a long story too. I I was going to interview Bill Watts for someone, and uh, he named a price, and I let him know, and they said, "Ah, oh, we can't do that." And I thought, you know, you don't understand. This is this is a guy who's there pretty much who molded uh, wrestling throughout from the '60s on up to the '80s, early early '90s, and just to find out how he. Uh, did and man- manipulated his territory all those years would be interesting and be a hell of a classroom seminar on film, and, and you don't want to do it. But but be that as it may, he, when we were talking on the phone, he 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 told me so I've got plenty of stories to tell, and then he went on about Harley. Um, so I, he he also just just looking back on some of the things he did could be certainly misunderstood at the time. But then when, the more I read about history and the more I read about um, the things that Watts was involved in with Eddie Graham and, and just the formation of, of the territory, 
he knew this, he knew the business and he appreciated anyone else who had passion for the business and I think we can both agree there's uh maybe maybe one or two other people who have the passion of a Jim Cornette uh for professional wrestling and and they always uh got along did great business together um that's where Jim really learned and got his education about finishes and how to how to make things fall into place where they need to be. So, yeah, that was that was something I was really looking forward to um, to to get another chance to be in that environment and uh, uh, being around Cornette was was a great environment for me too because he he was. He was a very detailed guy, and he and I believe he got that probably first from Jerry Jarrett. But when he went down to Louisiana with the Midnight Express, um, that's that's where he really got his PhD. With Cornette and coming back to WCW for this angle, did you know about his history with WCW and how him and Stan Lane were you know just fed up with it? And they, you know, obviously they started at Smoky Mountain. And you're familiar with that, but were you familiar with how pissed off he was at WCW? Yes, yes, he, yes, we we had talked about it uh, when when I first came to Smoky Mountain from from the Memphis territory. You know, Jim had us over for dinner a couple times, and uh, we discussed what what he had in mind. And he just he told me on more than one occasion about his relationship and why he left WCW. Um, and Stan obviously had had enough too, and and had faith in Jim at the time uh, that he could get this going. And I think that's what everybody had was was faith and uh, you know winging a prayer. We were going to go with it no matter what. It was a great opportunity to start over and and pioneer this territory again. Knoxville had been pioneered before, and uh, Jim had seen it when he came with WCW and. Uh, when he worked some of the shots around here, this this not only Knoxville but Kingsport and some of the other towns, uh, you know, Jim took notice and, and said, "Wow, this this place still likes wrestling, and people will still come out and they will pop. They want to see professional wrestling." And this was again back in uh, late '80s and early '90s, right before he left. Um, so, yeah, he he had told me why. WCW didn't work, and I think uh, it happens to all of us as we get older. Our tolerance for inane bullshit just kind of spills over to the point we say, nope, you can have it, and we're leaving. So really, at this time, obviously with Rod's watch running WCW, you mentioned the developmental and using Smoky Mountain as kind of a feeder territory for WCW. Was that ever kind of close? at all to happening because on paper, I mean, it's an absolutely fantastic and great idea. Well, it was close until Bill got fired. Of course. I mean, that was the plan and we were the first ones to, to go in and, and execute it. But, but before, uh, brawl for all, or it was brawl for all three, right? Super brawl. Yep. Super brawl, super brawl. I'm sorry. Yeah. Super brawl three. Uh, before we got there, he got fired, and I think a week before the show, and we got there, um, and I don't remember who was calling the shots. Uh, might have been Oli or not. Oli wasn't there. Bischoff? 
Who is who is behind Bischoff Watts? Was, Bischoff was the next man up. Yep. Okay, then it might have been Bischoff. And uh, you know, I've never had a problem doing a job at all. Not, not never, never, never. If I was asked to do a job, I was going to do it better than anybody else could, and I wasn't going to have a boo boo face or anything. And I, I automatically assumed that was what was going to happen when we went in. But everybody uh, kind of got around the campfire, I guess, and decided that, uh, you know, Jim had other ideas, but I didn't know what they were at that time. I just know I, I think he did have other ideas that night. But uh, Ricky's the one who came to me and says, hey, listen, they want us to go over. I said, yeah, no problem. And I was the the newest member of the team, and, and by all means, uh, that was the right thing to do. But it was supposed to happen. I think it was already agreed upon, with Watts anyway, but uh, with him no longer in control, Jim, I think, couldn't handle the current administration, and I don't blame him. If It wasn't what he had signed up for. It wasn't what he had pitched, so we were back. Uh, back to Smoky Mountain, but lo and behold, it was later on when we got the other calls. So, yes, and I will definitely go back to that. It just uh, just in a minute, the or actually uh, maybe uh, maybe not yeah. just a minute, but maybe a few minutes. But yeah. really, if you think about, it, like I said, the <laughs> Rock and Roll Express are going to come in. They're coming, quote unquote, back to WCW. They're being hyped up, and what, when they're using the tape and the highlights. It's kind of funny, the the tape that they use is Smoky Mountain of them beating the Heavenly Body. So it's like a little bit, obviously, of a tie-in where they're going to tie you in. Did you Were you aware that, that the videos were, were basically to set up this feud that they were using that footage of them beating you guys? Well, it would make sense. I, I didn't right. know because we weren't we weren't watching the shows. Obviously, we were working on the weekends, uh, and and I didn't get a chance to see the WCW shows. But, I mean, it that, that – makes perfect sense you know why would you why in the world would you guys show uh a, a video of a match beating us what are you trying to say what are you trying to prove who who the hell do you think you are oh okay if you're coming back to wcw we'll just follow you and we'll we'll rub it in your face i mean that that would make a perfect uh, scenario for me when you think about it, the Rock and Roll Express are going to go back. I mean, you're right, absolutely perfect. They, they're showing you, and, and Cornette's not happy. So when it actually comes, WWE Saturday night, technically it's going to be January 25th to 1993. So it's going to be a little bit later in January here. The the way that the, the show is going, I mean, they, they start showing the tape of the Rock and Roll Express beating Cornette's Heavenly Bodies, which is obviously you and Stan Lane. They're kind of promoting, promoting, promoting talking about this big return. Now, this really kind of was when it was Bobby Eaton, I'm not sure if he was injured or what was going on with him, but he, he's there as well. Was he actually hurt at this point? Because he obviously is involved in the angle. Yeah, I don't believe he was hurt. I just believe uh, they were putting him in the angle and um, just to keep him out of out of doing anything that didn't mean anything. And this was something to add Bobby to. And I, I think we were going to probably switch and, and interchange partners at that time too. It would have been a perfect scenario one more time uh, because Bobby had always been a part of uh, the Cornette family and, and his teams. So that would, 
that would have only made sense too, I think. But I don't believe he was hurt at that time. I think that was just a way to, uh, instead of putting him in in a in a nothing really matters match, you know, at least add him with Cornette. And why wouldn't he be with Cornette? You know, it, it mm-hmm. was such a strong what's a, such a strong bond, in in WCW. So, yeah. I, I but but at that time, I think Bobby was was just fine. Because this is the awesome part. Obviously, he's in WCW, but the invasion thing is awesome because, really, on this Saturday night, Bobby Eaton and you guys, Cornette, Lane, and yourself, invade you know, Saturday night, and you're calling out Bill Watts. And, it, I mean, it's just great. Cornette is, is awesome. I mean, he is shooting. How much of that is, like, legit shooting, and how much of that is working? Uh, well, what was the – I, you'll you'll probably remember this better than I do, but but uh, Terry Funk said it best when when you have a, a hotline or or you you have to verge, you have to to teeter on that edge where people aren't sure if you're shooting or you're working. But 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 we were always thinking shoot, but working and and whatever. Uh, Jim was saying at the time he certainly believed, but I'll I'll tell you this too he had nothing but uh, the utmost respect for Bill Watts and I think Jim was looking forward to working with uh, with Bill again and having some fun over in WCW working with his old friend and boss uh, a guy who actually got professional wrestling and who was detail oriented and um, uh, so uh, while Jimmy's cutting a promo he he knows uh what to say how to feel when he's saying it and and so did bill watts and that's that's again it would have been so great to get an interview with a guy like that on um on film and offer it to people because you get an insight into the mindset and how do you do that how do you actually shoot on somebody but you're working how do you actually talk that way to somebody unless you mean it well you do but 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 you don't because this guy is a guy who taught you how to do that and that that's a that's a talent terry funk could do it uh eddie graham could do it all the old timers who who were great could do it because they believed it so when jim was cutting his promo he he was believing it as he's saying it uh, but anything he said was certainly within the realm of uh, we're going to do great business, and that's that's the way Jim Cornette, I believe, has always approached business. Even when he's even when he's lying, he's telling the truth. You know, that kind yes. of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So he's referencing his past in the NWA. He's talking about his past in Mid South. He specifically mentioned that he was working for Watts but he's using very strong anti-WCW rhetoric. He's talking about how the last time he was there, uh, you know, they threw right. him over. So, I mean, it comes off, whether, you know, work or shoot, it comes off as a complete but, but that was, yeah, because people knew why he left, who read the sheets and who were smart. And, and so, uh, and, and people would know about Jim Cornette, so they would get the buzz going. And, and of course, Jim felt that way about WCW, but uh, it wouldn't be advantageous to do it if, if, it was going to harm us, and uh, they knew how he felt about him. Even the, even the old management and the, the guys who who happened to be on the fringe, who were now inside and even higher positions, knew how Jim Cornette felt about him. So, uh, but it was Bill Watts who was calling the shots. So Jim 
has no fear. He has no uh, he has no filter a lot of times. So, yeah, once again, it was real. He believed it when he was saying it, and he was shooting for the hip. But at the same time, it was in the frame of a of a pro wrestling invasion angle, and uh, he's saying it right to the head guy right now. I don't like you either. You're just like the rest of them, and and. Uh, Watts knew how to accept that because it's it is one of those things you you have to go out and if it's real you will feel it and so will everybody else uh, even though you're in game and your goal is to draw money and do great business you you have to come across as authentic and somebody that the people want to pay to see and and people want wanted. I believe to pay to see the Rock and Roll Express, and they they need adversaries, they need opponents, and we had done our angle in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It was right across the track, so why not, you know? And uh, and Jim, it, it's never been said uh, to be at a loss for words. So uh, he was plugged in and ready to go, and we were ready to go coolest thing about this kind of for me like you said feel real feel authentic seen it you know, obviously a few times before but going back and watching it kind of prepping for this episode i mean i really kind of like got lost in it. i'm like oh my god this is great because you kind of you know, you're really like into cornet I mean, you guys literally kind of come through the front door so that's a cool thing at center stage in atlanta it seems real it feels so cool so edgy at the time and it's like wow what the hell and then cornet starts saying some stuff that you don't think that he's going to say on air so, I mean, it's very cool, but the thing is, you know, about that is, this is, you know, 27 years ago, whatever it is, um, 1993, and I'm watching, yeah. I'm watching in 2020, and I still am feeling the realness and love it, and I know what it's all about. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of, yeah. that resonates big time. Well, that's that's what, what got Brian uh, Pillman signed to WWE, because he never broke and, and and smartened anybody up unless they needed to be smartened up and and even then he he didn't smarten up Bischoff when he left and and got signed I mean there was a lot of double agent not not spy stuff going on you know at that time in the business and uh, the guys who knew and again I'll go back to the Terry Funk and the whole Funk family and the guys who Eddie Graham, Bill Watts, uh, all those guys, they they would do things that people would would go, "Oh my god, I can't believe they did that." Uh Eddie uh, Dory Funk Sr. and Mike DiBiase had a had a Texas death match that went 5 hours or whatever the folklore is now and and when they went outside, they they fought outside the arena and, and Dory picked up a brick, he broke Mike's uh uh, windshield on his car and didn't, you know, Mike didn't know anything about it and they destroyed the car. And, and, and when they got back to the dressing room, you know, Dory says, don't worry about it. I'm going to buy you a new car. I mean, just they, they would do things that people go, Oh my God, he destroyed his car. He, he threw the brick. And, uh, they did things that made people believe. And, and it was sometimes you, you could say they went over the line, but that, Going over the line, uh, if it convinced one person, they, that's what they were after. Because then more people would would talk about it and and talk about it as it was uh, legit, as it was real, as it was uh, man. You, you got this feeling that, that you witnessed a happening, and and that was it. And Cornette was um, 
well-versed in that. You know, Memphis did that a lot, too, with the Andy Coffin stuff. And, and sometimes, even with the boys, they would work the boys. And nobody else needed to know what was going on except the people involved. And that's that was the way um, you kept secrets and you kept uh, a little mystery to it. Because if everybody knows what's going on, and the old saying is, those who know don't talk and those who talk don't know. And and they knew the guys that, that wouldn't talk, the guys that they could trust, and and that's a big thing in the business. I think it's still a big thing in the business. If if I can't trust you, uh, then I'm not going to tell you anything. I promise. So that was the way uh, they worked. And Cornette didn't even tell the guys we were going in, uh, to WCW. You know, we we kind of went down on our own, and we didn't tell anybody in Smoky Mountain. Uh, same thing about WWE. We we didn't tell anybody we were heading up that way either. Uh, so it was just it was just something that that you didn't didn't go around saying, "Hey, guess what we're doing next week?" It, it just just it it wasn't it wasn't very professional to do that. Let me say that. So if you look at it, really, it was you guys entering center stage, kind of through the front door. The only thing that kind of puts a little uh, damper on it really is that they say that some of Cornette's comments are edited out and that he was even more anti WCW and saying some stuff that he shouldn't say. Did you ever kind of get any feeling from Cornette that he's pissed that they might be editing some of his stuff out? No, I, I, I don't think he knew and I don't think uh, he even thought about that and if he did he didn't care. Um, honest to goodness because that would have made him more authentic too because he, he was getting to the people in the back or the people who might be listening. And, and if they were getting uncomfortable or sweating, then that was even better. You know, it, it, it just added again to the authenticity and, and, um, uh, Jim's true feelings. And, and you could pretty much tell that Jim didn't care for a lot of the people and, and understandably. So it, it's just, it was not a wrestling promotion. It was, um, Turner Broadcasting, and they had a division that covered wrestling, but they had no idea, and now they have a guy who does have an idea, and I think that wound up with people, anytime you're there and, and there's a change, as I'm sure you're well aware, mm-hmm. there, yeah, there, and there's going to be somebody who doesn't want to change, and they're going to look for something. Uh, to hang their hat on or or to make a comment about and uh uh I, I, I don't know I don't was it an email that, that Bill wrote or something along those lines. I think it was an email where he, he made an inappropriate remark or maybe he was making an inappropriate remark in the office or pissing off the uh balcony of his office, which wouldn't surprise me at all. But I mean uh, you know, uh, inappropriate behavior mm, compared to today, that's pretty tame, I guess. Yeah, I guess uh, he also perhaps made some uh, comments here or there. Uh, I think Hank Aaron got a hold right. of him. Right? That's and, what it and, was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of the end of him because obviously Hank Aaron, Braves, um, Turner, that whole relationship, I think that kind of, you know, is the beginning of the end of that. They're not going to stand for that. 
Yeah, and and once again, I won't get into this too deep, too. But but at the same time, you, you've got to realize Bill was had been promoting for years in Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Uh, in Texas, and his biggest star was the junkyard dog. He brought mm-hmm. in the snowman. He look, he he his the only color he cared about was green, and that was it. And that's my opinion. And uh, made Ron Simmons the first ever world heavyweight champion that was black too. Uh, of course, yep. of course. And I mean that that's what I'm. Uh, Bill Watts again in hindsight, and even while I was there, you you could tell. It didn't matter as long as you could work and you had passion, you showed up on time, you did your job, you paid attention. Uh, I think those were were the key ingredients uh, that he looked for in, in talent. And he would give talent an opportunity, and it was up to the talent to follow through and prove he's worthy of it. I, I, I saw it many times. And... Um, Again, he gave me an opportunity. He gave me an opportunity to be a heel. And I never, I just, knowing, knowing the way I was back then, too, if he, if, he was, if he even made an effort to come over and sit next to me and, and act or, or appear to be interested, it, it told me that he, could, he would do it to any talent he saw that he thought might have potential to help him uh, in his business and to help the card and to help the overall product. I really do. So, um, yeah, for all his personal uh, bad habits, whatever they may or may not have been, uh, he he was a, a mastermind in, in the business, and he did know his stuff. He did. And I, I think there were a lot of people at that time in Atlanta who resented that and wanted to take it a different direction. And a lot of the guys, a lot of the boys – didn't care for Bill because he he did have uh, standards and he did have rules and he did have expectations that he wanted everyone to live up to or exceed. And I I think that pretty much says a lot more about his character um, than, than anything else. But that's, that's my opinion. Just, just my observations. The, Saturday night that I was talking about, one twenty five ninety three. So, you know, to confront Watts, whether or not WWE's editing the footage or not, Cornette's just going to throw it on Smoky Mountain and, you know, get, get his true feelings out there on WWE and really kind of get it over even further. But when you kind of, with when Watts comes out and you got to confront him, I mean, it just seems so real. It seems so cool. It really was cutting edge. And for that time, you're like, holy crap, you know, this, these guys are invading. So you come through the front door. Bobby Eaton is involved. Then Watts kind of sets up this impromptu match against the, the Rock and Roll Express, and it's an awesome match. I mean, you guys aren't in your gear, so that adds to, like, okay, this is real. These guys aren't even ready to wrestle. I mean, that was just awesome, right? I mean, just looking back, like, everything they did was very smart. It's like, of course you wouldn't be in your gear. You're not there to wrestle. You were there to invade. Right, right. But but we certainly had our knee pads on, I'll tell you right now, under those Zubaz pants. Oh, couldn't tell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's why we wore the Zubaz. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was supposed to be improv and in or impromptu. I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah, it was – that was a great opportunity. We 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 knew we were going to cut the promo. They were going to have a match. And um, it, it was going to end – in a controversial fashion, and uh, we were off to the races, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> the, 
they had they had other plans and got rid of Bill Watts. But yeah, it was it was it was a cool that that was where I met Regal for the first time, by the way, and I'll remember that, and he always remembered that too. Uh, for some reason, because we we became fairly good friends later later on, and uh, pretty good friends to this day, I, I'll venture to say, and I think you would concur. But you know that moment when we came back to the back and and saw everybody, you know, backstage at at, at center stage, uh, it was a hopeful feeling that we would be able to uh, mix and match because we also had, you know, the uh, four-team or four-man tag match with Austin and Pillman against Steamboat, uh, Shane Douglas, and the Rock and Express. Yeah. So that, you know, there were different matches and mixes that that we were looking forward to um, that all – Never happened because because of what we've been discussing. Uh, Bill Watts uh, went away. But that match, I mean, if you just look at that match, it's great. Which happens on a worldwide the TV show happening in Gainesville, Florida, on February 9th. You're right. So Steamboat, Shane Douglas, and the Rock and Roll Express versus the Heavenly Bodies and the Hollywood Blondes, which is obviously Pillman and Austin, ends in a double DQ. Do you have any kind of recollections of, of that match? Well, that was that was my first time to work with Steamboat, uh, I believe, and uh, how it, it was kind of cool at, at the end of the match, um, just just feeding for Ricky's chops and and being in the ring with those those guys was uh, pretty cool at that stage too. Just again, that's that's what we were hoping was going to happen was was getting to be in the mix and uh, just add to our status and add add to our uh, reputation or whatever you want to call it. And um, so we started out not bad. Uh, it just it just never followed through. But it, I thought that was a good match. I thought it was a hell of a match. I had worked with Shane before in Alabama and, of course, rock and roll. But, uh, no, it was, it was uh, very cool. Steamboat, really one of the greatest of all time. Uh, you, you agree? I do agree. I will. I will certainly agree with that. So smooth. I mean, obviously, so so good. But that if you look at that. Those eight guys. I mean, where's where's the weak link in that? I mean, holy crap! What a, well, well, what well, a match. No, no, that's that's what I'm saying. And even watching uh, Steamboat in his earlier days against Flair, mm-hmm. um, and then going to WWF at that time uh, after after he had already been part of me in the Carolinas. Uh, for a while, you know, he he Steamboat was a was a incredible, uh, just a phenomenal performer in in every sense of the word. He he could sell everything done to him. There was no wasted movement or motion, and um, he was he was smooth and and he didn't hurt you, <laughs> which was another bonus, another plus, uh, and that was definitely the the high mark on being a professional. And Ricky was every bit the professional in the ring. Just want to 
throw out my two cents here. Uh, Flyers Steamboat still the greatest match of all time, or great, greatest rivalry of all time. I don't care what people say about some modern wrestling. There's some great stuff out there, but I still go Flair Steamboat, no doubt about it. Well, let me just say Flair Steamboat, but you never had the opportunity to see Funk Briscoe. Uh, oh, no, I've, I've seen. I've actually oh. have a bunch of that on tape. Great stuff. All oh, well. okay, great. Well, well, let me let me just add a little uh, sidebar to that, too, because uh, I've watched it on on tape, I've watched it back on YouTube and some of the network stuff they have. Uh, there's not a whole lot of full matches with Jack and Dory, but I got to see him live, and I got to see him go not only 60 minutes draw, but I got to see him go 90 minutes Broadway. Well, so, yeah, and, and I remember those as a kid, and I remember watching that, trying to figure this out, too, and, and, and they would do unique things in their match that were uh, Dory would give Jack a hip toss with the left arm, and Jack would roll out into an arm drag out of the hip toss. I, yes. I can, yep. Okay. Yeah. And and it was unique because the the regular way you give is with the right arm, but but these guys had worked together for so so long, uh, and they would do a couple spots the same. But but I I remember these guys changing it up. Of course, it was a different style and a different tempo and a different flow back then because they actually sold they sold the holes they sold the bumps they sold everything that was done to them so it it, it wasn't um just register and let's move on they made everything they did count and and they they told a tremendous story and even though i didn't know it back then something was telling me that these guys uh were special these this was the elite and and they were but but again, in that next era, you had the Rick uh, Flares and, and Ricky Steamboat uh, era of, of uh, angle and feud and, and matches. And I agree with you, man. It, it's it ranks up there. But but again, because I had the opportunity to see it, and, and uh, I know the feeling I got when I watched those guys, Funk and Briscoe. Um, you know, when I watched Steamboat and Flair, it's it's a great match and the artistry is there and, and the, uh, the 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 feeling when you're watching a match like that you'll know when you when you see something like that if you if you feel it or not and when you watch flair and steamboat you feel it when you watch briscoe and, and funk you definitely feel it um same thing with Michaels and uh, Brett. You know, it, it's a different type of angle, but I, you could feel that, that when they got in the ring, as much animosity and tension was in the air, no matter how much they personally may have not uh, liked each other on a, on a friendship level by any means, Sean and Brett, when they got in the ring, I think it was professional, uh, gosh, not jealousy, but professional rivalry. Rivalry, thank you, thank you. A professional rivalry where they both wanted to show each other they could work <laughs> with you, and I'll do this spot better, and we'll hit it, man, and you'll feel the people. And the, and I, you, you, I just got that when I watch these guys. So, uh, as much as they didn't care for each other outside the ring, when they got in the ring, they both turned it on, man. So. Uh, and, and, and there's very few, you know, th that's what makes the greats the greats because they, they have that, uh, that ethic and they have that, that attitude when they step through the ropes. 
And I love that argument, um, Bret Hart, Michaels. I'm a Bret Hart guy, I believe it, but I love hearing the other side, too, because obviously Michaels is, is one of the greatest of all time. So I love hearing it uh, from both sides. And just to throw out there, too, Ricky Steamboat's famous arm drag is actually the Jack Briscoe arm drag. So that's a cool little Italian as well. Yeah, correct. I mean, Jack, uh, Ricky would watch Jack in Tampa. You know, Jack mm-hmm. spent, spent his time in Florida. So that's where Ricky got it, and that's, that's the uh, – um, you know, that's, that's another argument and I hate to keep going on in, in the weed here, but, but the other argument for watching the old school and watching some of the older matches, because you can pick up things uh, and make it your own. And you might see something cool that, that has been long lost and forgotten and you, you never know. And, and, uh, you know, Steamboat grew up on them. And that's what I said a couple of weeks ago about the, the guys that are on top now um, used to watch the guys uh, not only during the 80s, but the guys in the 80s watched the guys from the 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, they carried that tradition on too. It was only until we got about mid-90s when, um, you know, there became a a newer, different ambiance to – being okay to just do moves with no rhyme or reason, but make them look cool and everybody will uh, get a chant going. So NECW came along during that time too and kind of changed uh, attitudes and and the 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 way people thought wrestling should be, and it became a new hip cool thing to do. But uh, uh, when the curtain was pulled back. Um, and they saw a lot more cracks than than uh, than necessary. But since ECW had such a cool TV, I think people didn't care at that time, and it more became like a tribe, a tribal uh, ritual to go to the ECW arena. What a cool place that was, too. By the way, I know we've been through that before, but but it all goes back to uh, uh, the guys of today watched. Uh, I think. You know, a lot of the guys through the 80s and learn from. But now, you know, the guys, the 20-year-old guys coming up have watched the guys from the last 20 years. And uh, it's a different vibe. It is a different attitude, I think. Not not that it's wrong. It's just different. So um, I, I dare say that done right, professional wrestling can be very, very cool, even, uh, even when they're working holds and telling a story, the occasional punch or the occasional kick when sold right on both guys part, you know, delivering and taking can, can get so much mileage. And that's what steamboat did. Steamboat would, would get the most mileage out of everything that happened to him and everything he did. He would let his guy, his opponent sell it. And, um, so I've got way off course here. I'm sorry. Hey, I love it, but we'll get back to uh, to Smoky Mountain invading uh, WCW because there's an interesting little thing that kind of isn't really brought up or talked about really when this kind of whole thing goes on, but Cornette, yourself, Stan Lane, Bobby, make a rare appearance WCW main event to confront Bullet Bob Armstrong, who was the Smoky Mountain commissioner at the time and the head honcho, obviously, of WCW, uh, Bill Watts is there. Do you remember this kind of confronting uh, – Bullet Bob, because he's there, and I feel like it adds to it too, because he, you know he's so beloved, and him and Watts together, you know, pretty rare and, and pretty cool to see on WCW TV. 
Um, I don't. Was that during the taping we worked with uh, uh, Shane and Steamboat? And, and, I believe it is during that taping because it just aesthetically it looks like it is. But I just love the fact that Watts is on TV with Bullet Bob, and they're talking about how you know they're building up Super Bowl three, and that match is going to happen in Super Bowl three. But oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I sorry. just love the fact that Watts and, and Bullet Bob are on uh, you know on TV together. Well, yeah, really, but Bullet, cool. yeah, yeah, exactly. But Bullet uh, had been in Atlanta for years and years, the Georgia Jaw Jacker. You know, at this time, of course, I oh, think yeah. he was he was living in uh, Pensacola. But um, yeah, no, no, that was that was all in conjunction and, and exactly what Cornet wanted. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was laid out very, very well. And um, I just remember being having that anticipation that we would get to work with uh, not only the Smoky Mountain talent and, and Rock and Roll Express, but again to be back on uh, Atlanta TV. And not only are we here in Knoxville, but we're nationwide. And uh, (laughs) I think they had it all laid out, of course, knowing Jim. He certainly had his plans laid out um, for the next six pay-per-views. But once again, the best laid plans, we know. Yes. So really, with this, we had to Super Bowl three. Rock and Roll Express defeat the Heavenly Bodies by DQ. So you really don't get the the full loss. Is that because what? what, of, what, what in Super Brawl three? Oh yeah. No 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 no. Uh, what happened was um, uh, Bobby came out, and I think Robert had had covered me. Robert covers me, and Bobby goes to the top rope to nail Robert, and Robert moves and nails me and knocks Bobby out of the ring and does pin me. One two three. We do lose. I do the job. I know that much. I remember that because at the end of the match, uh, rock and roll win, and there's a little conflict between Bobby and myself. So yeah, we 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 definitely did the job. So really, the Rock and Roll Express kind of were always destined to win, right? I mean, we kind of mentioned it, but like there was no chance of you guys winning and continuing the angle. That was going to be, you know, the, the coup de gras for that feud there. Well, I, yeah, I think if Bill would have stayed, we, we would have done something different, maybe a DQ or maybe a uh, no contest or something like that. But but we certainly weren't going to wear the belts out there, the Smoky Mountain belts, to, to, show them, <laughs> to show that they're beating us on national TV or pay-per-view. So I, I think if, indeed, Bill was going to stay there and we, we had the uh, same deal that we had originally, mm-hmm. it, it would have been changed, but... Uh, Cornette wasn't going to work with the uh, uh, the people in charge now. Again, it had to be Bischoff or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, that's that's who Cornette blames. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was just that was one of those things that um, <laughs> uh, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. But but I I believe in fate. I believe in uh, you know we we do what we're supposed to do, and, and we wind up where where we're actually supposed to wind up because if we didn't. Be somewhere else. That's that's my logic. So the relationship with Watts and Cornette is so tight that if you know Watts isn't there, Cornette's going to bounce as well. Well, yeah, and and I always say wrestling is a relationship business. It it is, and uh, because what Jim wanted to do, Bill was I'm sure uh, all for, but 
certainly with Jim's ideas, running, having to run through Eric Bischoff or whoever it might be, uh, Jim wasn't going to let anyone monkey with his his plans or monkey with his angle. And uh, I think Bill trusted Jim well enough. He had he had uh, complete trust that Jim wouldn't do anything over the top or or outrageous, but you know maybe go right up to that line, and uh, that was it. But but when anybody else there wanted to, I, I don't think Jim felt comfortable enough working with anyone else, trusting anybody else because it had been proven b- before that they weren't to be trusted. So. I, yeah, I, I just think that uh, once once Bill Watts was out of the picture, so were we. And uh, you know, I, I think I think that in the end, certainly he made the right choice. I just love the fact that I mean, this feud, if you think about it, has happened really everywhere, and, and it's just. If you think about it, like Cornette versus the Rock and Roll, literally has happened everywhere, but different kind of malcolmations and, and the, the connection and, and the chemistry that Rock and Roll and you were able to get to, is that just shows you like how great and how timely they are? I mean, they're still hell. They're still we're tag team champions as of last year in the NWA. So, I mean, is that like kind of a testament to them how great they are? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I do believe that because I, I've said this many, many times. Uh, I think Ricky Morton is one of the – is certainly in the top five baby faces of all time in this business. He knew how to sell. He had the facials. He had the body language. Uh, he and Robert knew how to work. Um, it was such a pleasure to get in the ring with those guys every single night. It was a night off. You didn't have to worry about uh, – anything happening by chance if if there was something that happened or or uh, a potato or a mistake or something whatever uh everybody covered it up everybody was cool about it it was it was the one of the one of the most fun times i've had because you didn't have to worry about um, getting a reaction. You didn't have to worry about the baby faces not wanting to sell. Hell, that's a baby face's job. Ricky loved it. And he did great at it. He would have the, the girls in the front row crying and he would mouth, help me, help me. And, and it was, it was a fun time because, uh, getting heat was, was a piece of cake pretty much. And I hate to say it like that, but it was. And, um, the the fact that they are still a team and the fact that uh they can go anywhere and wrestling fans will i mean veteran veteran wrestling fans will certainly recognize them and the young fans uh who who if they're really fans will look them up and find out about the rock and roll express uh so yeah it was it it was a testament to how great they were and and uh, it was a testament to to them coming in deep in the mid south, them and the Rock and Roll Express and Cornette and all five of those guys were very uh, much an intricate part of each one's career. They they that's where they put uh, put it on the map, and from there to go to Dallas for a little bit and then come right into Charlotte um, for for that TV and win the world championship the first night. You know, on TV, you know, two smaller guys coming in against these big Russians uh, really uh, 
really set the the wrestling world in a new direction. Uh, Ricky Morton, as a as a singles or a tag wrestler, uh, he he was always at the right place at the right time in the ring. He knew how to fight back, and he never he always. He wasn't the biggest guy, but he worked like a like a heavyweight. He wasn't. He was a junior heavyweight, but he but he didn't make you believe that. He fought back, again, credibly and authentically. That uh, you know made you believe he was. He might have been in in jeopardy at one time, but he'll jump right back up and punch you in the nose, and it may not knock you out, but but you're gonna feel it, and he's gonna keep coming. So he had fire. He had uh, facials, body language, and. Um, People could feel it again, man. Being in some of those arenas with these guys here in in Harlan, Kentucky. You know, yeah, I know it's Harlan, Kentucky, but it's coal mine country, and you know, rednecks are hanging out. <laughs> As Ricky likes to say, they were hanging from the rafters, wall to wall. Well, we had some pretty good houses with those guys, and to hear the people react, and to watch them, and to see how excited they would still get in the early 90s for the Rock and Roll Express was was pretty fun. It was a great time. It really, really was. Really, this kind of angle ends up with Watts getting fired. I mean, because you got a different booker, because you got somebody different in there, because I guess Bischoff's taking over for Watts, and and it's really going to be a different uh, mindset there. The Smoky Mountain WCW developmental deal doesn't happen. They apparently, you know, one point are kind of messing with Cornette's audio, you know, not showing all of his anti-WCW stuff, kind of killing the the invasion just quite a bit there. And really, um, Cornette says that he has confronted Bischoff about it. Is that true? Is that kind of him just saying that, or did it actually happen? It wouldn't surprise me in the least. They did a uh, table for three with – Cornette Bischoff and I think Michael Hayes was was the uh, was the mediator I guess or intermediary intermediary whatever you want to call it he was a guy sitting at the table with him uh, and I wouldn't doubt it I wouldn't doubt it for a minute and um, I I really didn't know Eric very well back then I'm just getting to know him uh, when I was out doing doing a couple of these. Uh, conventions and I sat next to him at a table a couple times and and I've enjoyed talking to him at this stage of his life he's he seems like he's uh a lot more mellow you know of course he's been mm-hmm. through all the he's he's been through all the uh, the major nicks and bangs and stuff like that and I think even Jimmy kind of realizes you know for the time he, Bischoff did what he had to do to survive and and get through uh, the the obstacles he had to get through, and and I think it was just a the nature of the beast back then. So, but I would I would not be surprised one bit uh, that Jim confronted Eric and told him what he thought, and uh, Eric might have concurred or he might have said, "Hey, I'm sorry." I I don't know, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Jimmy hasn't told. We haven't talked about it, but. But, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, because I think Bischoff, I think he kind of says that he really didn't have the power, the authority at, at that point, because he was kind of more like the executive uh, producer. I think if he's even there at this point, because Watts basically had resigned. 
supposedly he doesn't get fired. He supposedly resigned. But well, that's think, getting fired from a place like that. You know? yeah, hey, hey yeah. Bill, you want to get fired or you want to resign? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I don't know if like Bill Shaw or Bob Dew were kind of running the thing yeah, at well, this point. But. Yeah, so it could have been them too because they, they were there when, when Jim was there and when Stan was there. So he knew what he was in for if he even tried to deal with those guys. They would just shut him down again and they would treat it like – like they were treating it before, and he it, Jim wouldn't do that. It was it was a one on one deal with Watts, and Watts did have the power mm-hmm. uh, to do it. But uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe Bischoff wasn't there yet, and and I don't really recall. I mean, uh, it it could have been the higher ups, you know, the Bob Shaws and the uh, what was the pizza guy? Bill, it was, uh, Bill Shaw, Bob Dew, and then the pizza guy was Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd, Jim Hurd, Jim. Hurd. <laughs> yeah, maybe Jim was still there. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it, it was once, like I said, once Bill was gone, it was dead in the water. He just, I don't think Jim wanted to deal with those guys. It's, it it really is. When, when you're around people like that who, who you don't care for and they don't care for you, no matter how much money you might make, no matter how uh, how cool it might be when you go to the ring, uh, it, it does start to wear on you when you have to deal with some of these people. And and when you're in the corporate industry uh, uh, part of things and, and you're looking at a guy who, who's a little high strung and been around wrestling his whole life and loves wrestling and, and you don't know that much about it and, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's all just a bunch of phony stuff. And, and you, you, you have a tendency to or disrespect people, even if you intended to or not. And I, I think Jim had had enough all the disrespect from those guys that he that he wanted. And and once Bill was out of the picture, so were we. So I feel like Cornette definitely blames Bischoff. Um, you know, they, somebody in WWE kind of wanted to undermine that because Watts is gone. They don't want like the idea. Um, they don't want it that into promotional kind of thing going on. Um, you know, it's a Watts idea. They're kind of going to move past Watts and kind of do their own thing. So there's unedited versions that they, they, you know, get sent to Cornette. He airs them on Smoky Mountain. So, I mean, there's, there was like a lot of disconnect there uh, for sure. With the kind of Smoky Mountain version, you get obviously the more the, the anti-WCW stuff, which is great. But Watts leaves, Super Bowl happens. Obviously, you know, it, it's not going to happen the WCW deal is done. It's, it's dead in the water after this match. So what kind of happens really to like, to you guys, I know you guys go to Smoky mountain rock and roll express, go back to Smoky mountain. And they're not, I mean, after being built up for the WCW return, they don't even stay for more than, you know, a few matches. You guys only had a few matches. Like what's the next step? Oh, screw this. We're just back to Smoky mountain. Or is there a WWF call? Well, no, the WWF call came later on, but we, we went back to Smoky Mountain, and uh, although it would have been nice to get some of those pay-per-views and, and uh, maybe some shots here and there for uh, the WCW, but um, honest to goodness, I know I was. I was content to go ahead and uh, stay around Knoxville and, and work the towns we had, and uh uh, eventually, I think it was in June or July when we got the call and uh, from WWEWWF, and so yeah, I mean it wasn't there, there wasn't a big fretting 
of, oh, no, now we've lost this, we're stuck here. Uh, I think we were just, uh, uh, we still had the Rock and Roll Express. We, we had, uh, I think, the Bruise Brothers at some point. And, um, oh, man, I, I, don't, I, I don't remember. I just know Ron and Don were, Ron and Don Harris were uh, over at my place with Brian Lee one night, and and the Harris the Harris boys are great guys. They really are, but they're big and they are bad, and you don't want to get on their bad side. And we would always play back and forth, and sometimes uh <laughs> i i i can be more sarcastic than the next guy or i can say something uh, that'll rub the next guy worse than he rubs me and and on this particular night we were kind of going back and forth and and we had already know we already knew we were going to be going to raw uh and ron said something i said yeah i don't know man i won't be here uh something about Monday, I don't remember what it was, but Ron gave me these eyes. Or Don, no, Ron. Ron gave me these eyes like he wanted to kill me. And I thought, oh, ooh, I don't need to play with him on this. Because they, they were there with Smoky Mountain. And, and again, uh, nobody was going to get rich by any means. And these guys were coming, and these guys are big guys, and, and they're kind of working their way through these high school gyms and armories that we're working to. And, and there's some coliseums in there. And there's some nice buildings. But at the same time, man, we're going to, as I said, Harlan, Kentucky, Beckley, West Virginia, places like that. So we're going where the wrestling fans are. We're, and we're going deep. And uh, there might be some nights where it got a little hot in there. And, and phew, on a couple of occasions with Jim coming back from the ring, you know, it was kind of hairy. So, uh, you know, we, 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 but we were there and it was, it was still great because that was still what wrestling was. And, and everybody knew it who that was on the crew. So it was just one of those things. It was a wrestling crew and, and we were making the towns where wrestling fans were doing the best we could. This invasion angle, if you think about it, and if Bischoff is involved or not, I mean, it's kind of a up in the air because some people say he was with you guys and some people say he wasn't and it wasn't his decision. But if you really think about it, does he get the idea of an invasion angle? Is this kind of sparking him? I know a lot of people say it's Japan and, and or, or you know, the, just the, the perfect timing of those guys leaving the WWF. Yeah, NWO, any sort of uh, thing you think is maybe, yeah, we did the invasion angle first? Do you ever think that? No, <laughs> I wish I did, but no, I really didn't because uh, Scott and and Kevin, pretty smart guys, and uh, Japan had done it, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I I don't I never and that, that never crossed my mind. I mean, uh, it was a, it was a totally different uh, format and totally different um, premise too because they were coming. From even though we were coming from Smoky Mountain, a different company, uh, this was a major star from a major organization who uh, might have been struggling or might not have been struggling, and and people had read the. Uh, by that time, people were reading the internet and and the dirt sheets too. I think was the internet there? Yeah, the internet was out by '93. 
infancy for sure. It yeah. really didn't really pick up steam, I'd say, until like '95. But it was in the infancy. There was there was some stuff yeah. out there. So there was some stuff out there. I mean, uh, yeah, it was it was similar, but but by no means the same. I mean, I think I really do think they got it from Japan, and and they executed it. Um, <laughs> they executed it well because they had their guys. They they had Bischoff on their side, and uh, you know we executed it. Well, because we had Watts on our side, so and that's that's what it took. They were the company was behind them, so. Now, just kind of looking back, I, I just love Super Bowl three as a show. Not going to go into it entirely. Maybe we can do it on a future episode for sure. But Sting and Vader in the main event is unbelievable. Uh, you got Scorpio against Benoit, very young Benoit, and a great match. I mean, this card is loaded. Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff. I mean, there's so many great matches. And then you guys, who you would think would have the match of the night, but you guys all get trumped by Sting and Vader. But just an unbelievable card. I, I love your match, too. So Super Bowl three is a hell of a show, but it kind of sucks that that's kind of the end of you and, and Lane and Cornette and WWE because that could have been awesome. It, it really could have been awesome. But uh, once again, that was obviously meant to be and uh, by that time you knew who the crew was you knew who the top guys were going to be you knew who was going to be figured in and it was because uh of the powers that be that wanted these guys figured in and needed these guys to be figured in and if jim would have gone and and would have tried to work a deal with them that i don't believe it would have worked i don't believe it it could have worked because there was too much animosity for real and uh <laughs> that was certainly authentic, even though it was done within the framework of this invasion angle. But, um, yeah, I, I think it could have been cool, would have been cool, should have been cool, but you know what they say. So I think that is a great stopping point, and something that is also great is this excellent book, A Complete One-Year Training Curriculum and Guide for Beginners and Seasoned Pros, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum, Advice, Suggestions, and Stories to Help the Aspiring Pro Get to the Next Level by one Dr. Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom, tell us how we can get the book. Well, you can find my book on Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom Book or Curriculum, uh, or you can actually go to PayPal. And my PayPal is Dr. Tom Pritchard at AOL.com, and I will send you a personally autographed book for $25. Um, just send your address, uh, who you'd like to make it out to, and uh, I'll take it from there. Of course, got to mention a Manscaped just uh, one more time. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Like I said, trim that junk of yours. If you're listening to me right now, I want you to experience firsthand Manscaped 20% off free shipping with the code EMPIRE at manscaped.com. But you know something else, John? I think along with Manscaped.com, I mean, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence also, not only with the Manscaped.com, but if you use promo code DOC, you could get a free sample from Blue Chew. And uh, I, I'm very excited that these guys are a new sponsor here. And, uh, I, again, Manscaped and Blue Chew, what a combination. I love it. They kind of just, you're right, it's absolutely go hand in hand. And I love that uh, Blue Chew is coming on board to sponsor the show. It's unbelievable. They are the first 
chewable with the FDA approved ingredients, the same as Viagra and Cialis. So, I mean, that's just great. And like you said, you need to have confidence. Confidence where it counts. Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance that. Like you said, Blue Chew, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code DOC. To try it for free. Awesome stuff. Dr. Tom also wanted to mention ProWrestlingTees.com. JPWA has a store. You have a store. JPWA also has a Patreon page that has been set up. You can become a patron and support a JPWA. Of course, the website is JPWrestlingAcademy.com. You're at Dr. Tom Pritchard on Twitter. I'm at Two Man Power Trip. What else do you got going on? Because I know you got something coming on in August. Well, we do have an August camp that has been sold out, 8th and 9th. Uh, my friend Les Thatcher and I are going to be doing that uh, at the JPWA facility. Um, and uh, after that, August 31st, we'll start the next 12 weeks of class. We go through November 20th. Um, and uh, so we're, we're, we're about, I think we're in week 8 starting tomorrow we week eight or nine i'm not not quite sure uh but with with this next class and uh again we've had some some pretty cool visitors uh over the last uh well last two months i guess yeah and uh i'm sure somebody else will be dropping by (laughs) around uh, september time too you never know who's going to drop by you never know who's going to be in the area but uh jpwa is is uh rolling right along and i uh I'm looking forward to a little cooler weather. I never thought I'd say that, but because I like the hot weather. I'm from Texas. I I love hot weather, but this has been an exceptionally hot summer. And uh, when we get back in about September time, it it gets a little cooler, nicer, and um, uh, a little more inviting, I think. Absolutely. It is pretty damn hot out there. And just want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. And we will see you right here, back on Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you then, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.